I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show returning to the airwaves after a week off despite surprisingly vocal popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'd like to take this opportunity to publicly rule myself out of the running for the Manchester United job. And with me in the studio tonight is a man whose name is still very much in the frame. It's Tony Kerr. Good evening. How's it going, Tony? All the better for seeing you. Yeah, it's been a while, isn't it? We were just saying, I haven't seen you since the last time we recorded one of these. I mean, I was like, oh, you came in, I was like, oh, great, mate. Been a while, isn't it? And you're at 16 days. 16 <laughs> days, exactly. 16 fantastic uh, days. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, in the time since I last seen you, you went from having no beard to a really big beard. Yeah, it's good. I'm going to go to no beard again, I think, tonight. It's a very bushy beard. Well, this is the thing. Is my, I tend to just let it, you know, let it grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there a song, Let It Grow? No, I'm not to sing it. Let It Be. Let It Be, oh yeah. Uh, I was, you tend to let it be, and then like to shave it, and then you know, shave a few times, and then let it be again for a bit. Uh, the last time I let I'm it sure be... what John Lennon had in mind <laughs> when he wrote that song. Let It Beard. Uh, and then this thing came out, like, oh, beards are unattractive. Do you see this? this? It was like, no, no, like, this, and I was like... And then I got, what's, I was like what thing is this? Well, <laughs> it's just this, like... <laughs> You know, stupid research that people do, uh, where they were like, "Oh, it's we've reached peak beard apparently," uh, and so when there are more, when peak beard is reached, when there are kind of too many beards, they become unattractive then apparently to women. Right. And you know, when there are fewer beards, beards are more attractive because of their their scarcity. Yeah, because they're rare. Exactly. Uh, so this came out just as I'd kind of reached, you know, as my beard had become a thing. Uh, but I didn't want to shave it off then because I think I was worried that people would think I was just so conscious. Even though I did want to shave it off because <laughs> of that. People would, I just didn't want people to think You were that. worried that people would correctly <laughs> yeah. assume that you'd shaved it off for that reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's beards and beards though, aren't there, Tim? Because, I mean, there's a beard that you might have a sort of stylish... Uh, groomed beard and then there's the kind of Tom Hanks and Castaway look that you've got going on at the moment no I wouldn't know <laughs> I'm just going to say no <laughs> carry on Wilson <laughs> Wilson uh, anyway how have you been uh, how have you been over the past 16 days I've been then? really well yeah did you have a good Easter very good yeah very good I mean going by my Facebook newsfeed, <laughs> uh I would describe the weekend that you had as busy. Is that an appropriate word for yeah, it? Busy. What's made you say that? Just a lot of pictures of you uh looking progressively more haggard as the beard got longer and you you reached kind of Tom Hanks level. Pictures of funnels. Yeah. Uh, cuz it was what the uh the Easter hockey festival. Yeah, traditional weekend of boozing in Guernsey centering on hockey, which I don't traditionally play. Easter hockey festival went down very well. Uh, not much hockey played. Although I do enjoy the, the hockey aspect of it, surprisingly. It's quite a fun sport. I hate hockey. I detest hockey <laughs> with every fibre of my being. 
I mean, it's kind of like gardening. It's like bitty, kind of scram- <laughs> like scrabbling around, bent over. Uh, but yeah, that's all right. It's kind of like cricket, but you don't get out if you miss the ball, like I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your team had a, a fancy dress theme, did you? Jurassic Park. Yeah. Now the pictures I've seen, you're not wearing a dinosaur costume. No, I'm gone. I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone as. Uh, Dr. Alan Grant, right. Sam Neill's character. character, which basically just allowed you to wear a shirt and jeans, which well, is what you wear every weekend. No, 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 no. <laughs> denim shirt, khakis. Uh, I couldn't. I say in time because you know it's not like I didn't know Easter was coming around. But in time on Thursday evening before Good Friday, wasn't able to source a, a hat big enough. Uh, or kind of neckerchief thing. So, so you were just correct- wearing... Someone did say, like, why is Tony just wearing his normal clothes? You were just wearing something that you might have worn anyway, and everyone else is in kind of comedy dinosaur outfits. That's just your vanity there, Tony, really, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's my disorganisation. <laughs> I wanted a dinosaur onesie slash costume, but I just wasn't organised to get it. Don't pretend you're not vain when you've just <laughs> explained to us that you wanted to shave your beard off as soon as you realised that peak beard had been reached. Right. Anyway, cricket, what's up? Well, in fact, uh, how was your Easter weekend? Just briefly, how was your Easter weekend? Uh, it was good, mate. Was good. Yeah. What happened to cricket then? <laughs> Sorry, Kim. No, no, no. no I, I want to tell you all about it. So <laughs> sit down. No, it was good. Yeah, I was on holiday. Went for a little holiday. Went, went for a week. Where'd you go? Denmark. Hashtag Denmark. Slayers uh, of Guernsey in the ICC European World T20 Championship last summer. That's, know, of course, tra- where you went. I'm a traitor in a way, aren't I, for, for going over there. Uh, but yeah, it was absolutely crackerjack. Went to a place called Copenhagen. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of that. Rings um, a bell. But I had a really good time. Really enjoyed Denmark. Very pleasant. Pleasant is the word I would use for Denmark. Did you stick also expensive? The, did you stick at the mermaid? I should have sticked the Little Mermaid, uh, but I didn't think to bring any stickers with me. Did you enjoy the mermaid thing? Well, because it's it's the it's a little statue uh, in Copenhagen, and it's sort of like the symbol of the city. It's cool. I'm glad I saw it, but. You know, it's one of those things that the only purpose of it is to have your photo taken next to it. So you, we actually had to walk quite a long way to get there. You know, took a photo of each other and then we're like, okay, and just walk back. I mean, that's, that's it. That's literally all there is to it. I say it looks like one of the more underwhelming landmarks in terms of scale. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's, it's you know, got prestige, isn't it? It's not it's, the it's shard, gla- is it? It's not the London Eye. Uh, but it's it cool, was, though. It's but sweet. it's cool. It's a, it's a good sculpture. Uh, I appreciated it on an and aesthetic you're an expert. level. Sculptor. <laughs> I am an expert on all things sculpt-related. But yeah, I wouldn't have said that was the highlight of my trip to Denmark necessarily. Uh, but yeah, I had a really good time. Like the country a lot. Full marks from me. I give it an A+. I was a little bit confused because I sort of thought that I could speak Danish. Uh, but when I <laughs> when people opened their mouths and started speaking to me, subtitles didn't appear. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little bit confused about that. But luckily, literally everybody speaks English. It's unbelievable. Did you just run around saying tack a lot? <laughs> tack. No, I do. Yeah. Tack. Just everyone tack. I, tack. I, 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 know, I know two words in Danish, you know, they both come from watching the killing. Yeah. So I said them, but not only that, but I kind of felt myself saying them as Tice from the killing. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't really not go like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tack. Buying some chewy sweets. <laughs> yeah. And also because then people would talk to me in English and say like, you know, do you want a bag for that? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> just unnecessary. Anyway, we should probably talk about cricket. This is a cricket podcast, Tone, isn't it? Is it still a cricket mm. podcast? We've still got cricket in the name. Uh, what's coming up on the show today? Uh, well, there's been lots happening in the world of cricket. Tone, England have got a new coach, so we're going to be talking about that. Jonathan Trott is taking another break from cricket. So we're going to be talking about that as well. There's lots to get our teeth into tonight. 
Are you excited? Very. That really is a big beard. I think we should do... It's a shame that Comic Relief's just passed because <laughs> we could have done like a, uh, a sponsored sponsored shave. Oh, <laughs> it could have raised money. Yeah, I don't know. You're a bit of I a celebrity know. now, so, you know, we've got a bit of profile. <laughs> Low profile. <laughs> we could have done it. You know, we could have got like Walliams down. Three pounds. Uh, got, you know, got Lineker in to host it. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England, and it's been an eventful week in the world of England. They've got a new coach. And guess what? The new coach is the old coach. Peter Moores has been reinstated to the role that he was sacked from five years ago. Uh, Andy Flower, of course, stepped down in January after the disastrous Ashes tour. I don't know if you heard about that tone. And it, it looked like Ashley Giles was going to be a shoo-in for the job, given that he was you know, the limited overs coach, seemed to be very much the next in line. But he didn't get it, probably undone in the end by, uh, by that disastrous defeat to the Netherlands at the World T20. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, so Giles missed out. Mick Newell, Mark Robinson and Trevor Bayliss were the other names on the shortlist. They were also passed over. And the ECB have plumped for Moors again. So, Tone, which of these two tabloid headlines that I've come up with most accurately sums up your feelings? Is it Moors the pity or Moors the merrier? It's good, isn't it? <laughs> that is good, yes. Moors than a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> How is that relevant? Well, no, it's more than uh, I get more than a feeling about it. I don't know, something along those lines. More's, <laughs> more's, more's, more. Hang on, more's, 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 more's. How do you like it? How do you like yeah. it? More's, exactly. more's, more's. Things like that. How do you like it? How do you like Inspector Moore's. <laughs> more. What's his name again? It's more, isn't it? Yeah. Inspector Moore's is confused. quite good. That's quite that's quite appropriate in a way, isn't it? As well, because he's you know. He's... Here you go. Here's a better one. <laughs> okay. Did you expect a Moors? <laughs> yes, you did. Judging by the last pod, <laughs> should have tweeted that at the time. <laughs> should have tweeted that. Should have tweeted that. Uh, Is it too late to tweet that? What are we now? <laughs> Six days after it, four, five days after it was announced. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, I go for it. You know. If so I should I'm, have still, some... I'm still laughing about did you expect a Moors? Yeah. Go on. Okay. Probably funny. quite funny, mixed. Man. You know, clearly the last time he was around, there was a bit of friction with old KP. And England ditched KP and brought in Moors. I don't know if that... Do we think that was... Is this like a part of a kind of grand strategy from the ECB? Get rid of KP? Clear the, clear the decks for Moors to come in? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. We got a tweet from a listener at Sarpedion. He said, surely it was obvious that the job was going to be going to Peter Moores. Isn't that why Peterson was sacked, to make way for Moores? I mean, is, is that what's happened here, Tone? Well, quite possibly. Uh, I mean, Moores has done pretty well, hasn't he, since he left England. And clearly he worked himself into a position to get the England job in the first place those few years ago. Uh, and he's got to be in a better position now than he was then in terms of experience and all the rest of it. Quite whether you'd get rid of your best player to bring in a coach who didn't do very well, but not to say, well, it might be because of that player. So, you know, it is more right. complex than that. But uh, quite whether that's the right move, I don't know. Given the rest of the, you know, the rest of the exodus over the winter and the other problems facing team selection, I would personally be uh, extremely surprised if the ECB strategy all along was we're going to get Moores in, so let's sack Peterson. If that was the case, then why didn't they appoint Moores the instant that they sacked Peterson? Like, why is it taking this long? Why did they interview everybody else? I don't think that makes well, a lot of I mean, sense, but presumably I, they sorry, presumably they couldn't have said 
we'll do these interviews. Uh, if Moores get it, gets it, Peterson will go. You know, they, obviously they fancied Moores, but they had to go through the process to be fair and equitable. I guess. So you think the ECB from a distance have said, you know, we want some Moores, <laughs> and uh, they, the interviews was just a kind of uh, a lip service. Possibly. I'm not sure I buy that. I, I I don't think that they sacked Peterson to clear the way for Moores. But I do think that once they had sacked Peterson, that Moores' chances of getting the job went through the roof because he is an extremely convenient man to appoint right now. If they'd appointed any of those other candidates, apart from possibly Mick Newell, who also doesn't get on with Peterson, then they may well have wanted to bring Peterson back. They, you know, As we've talked about there, they'd be mad not to want to bring Peterson back. Moores isn't going to do that, is he? he you know, he's very much going to go along with what the ECB want to do in that regard. And given that the ECB, you know, the, the the guys at the top in the ECB have essentially staked their reputations on sacking Peterson, they would have looked foolish if they'd appointed a coach who wanted to bring him back. So, you know, Moores does seem a natural fit. He's a very convenient appointment. Like you say, slightly mixed feelings, because on the one hand, Moores has done a lot of things right since he left the England Post five years ago. He was actually very dignified in the aftermath of that. He didn't sell his story. He didn't go away and write a book. He just sort of got on with his career. And he did very well. Took the Lancashire job and guided them to the championship title in 2011, which was a genuinely magnificent achievement. They did get relegated the following season, but still, that championship win was terrific. And, you know, if you're looking at uh, coaches on the county circuit, then clearly he is one of the outstanding candidates. But I have to say that when I saw the news my immediate feeling was above all one of disappointment, bordering on exasperation, actually. It's slightly uninspiring. The word I keep coming back to is bland. It's a very bland appointment. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a Newcastle fan, it would be like Pardew getting sacked, which he might well do, and Sam Allardyce coming back. Yeah, or Sooness or something. Yeah, like, you know, didn't have a great tenure the first time around. Hasn't exactly discredited himself in the intervening years, but but not done enough really to, you know, to to inspire much. Uh, and you know we we did we had quite a lot of people ruled themselves out didn't they in the in the build up to to the interviews Gary Kirsten might have been quite exciting Steve Fleming I mean, really well. we were looking for a South African weren't we that's, that's <laughs> broadly speaking or at least someone a, from a Southern, Southern Africa African, yeah yeah is what we wanted yeah and um, we didn't we didn't get it I mean that is a huge part of what's going on here because the ECB can say all they like that you know Moore's is the outstanding coach of his generation and the man that they always wanted to appoint but. There weren't a lot of applicants for this job. You know, most of the most high-profile coaches around the world didn't want it. Stephen Fleming, Gary Kirsten, Tom Moody, Graham Ford, etc. So, you know, they didn't have that many to choose from. And out of that pool of coaches, you can certainly make a case that Moores is the best qualified. And in retrospect, he did do some excellent things as England coach last time out. Matt Pryor and Graham Swan were both brought in on his watch. Anderson and Broad were given much more prominent roles. And, you know, obviously they then became uh, really central parts of, of the team that had so much success after that. And Andy Flower has always said that he owes a lot of his success to Peter Moore. He's always said, you know, he was a huge influence on his coaching style and also that he put a lot of the pieces of the jigsaw in place. So, yeah, he did do some good things, no doubt. But still, my abiding memories of that Peter Moore's era of England cricket are not positive. You know, that kind of 2007 to 2009 time the results weren't great um in fact they lost more games than they won in that time uh, and the team played quite unattractive cricket in doing that 
And by the end of Moore's tenure, it was just all going wrong. And Flower and Strauss coming in and taking over, that was a real breath of fresh air for English cricket. And a breath of fresh air is what the England team needs now. You know, we've talked about the need to go outside the tent for the coach, haven't we? We, we didn't think Giles should get the job because he wasn't outside the tent enough. You know, that England need a change in the weather. Is Peter Moores really the man to affect that change? Is, is he outside of the tent, really? He's, he's been in the tent, hasn't he? He's been extent, in the tent. He's certainly been in the your, tent before. You know, he's, you've tracked him out the tent already and he's come back. He's like, found <laughs> his crawled back in in the middle of the night and you've woken up next to him. Uh, Looking for a sleeping bag. <laughs> he's like scrambling around. Uh, yeah. My nose is cold. Okay, I guess the situation has slightly changed, hasn't it? Maybe in the last four or five years, you know, probably coaches now can just do 2020. There's enough 2020 tournaments going on around the world that the test test jobs for the time being aren't quite as coveted. Yeah, I think that's right. They're much less attractive. The pay is probably about the same for you know six weeks work at an IPL franchise or a you know twenty four seven job as the England coach. And I think that is why we've not seen the biggest names apply for this job. So to an extent, you think, well, I suppose they had to give Moore's the the job in the same way that you know Alistair Cook clearly isn't a great Test captain, but he has to be the captain because who else would it be? There's an element of that going on, but I still think they should have just given it to someone else because it does feel like a backward step, this. I, I saw in one of the, in the newspapers he was described as the continuity candidate. That's that maybe not quite true because Giles would have been the continuity candidate. To an extent, it's almost worse than that. It's, you know, it, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's <laughs> you were on a kind of continuous path and then you've stepped off it to go backwards. And that is not what's required for England at the moment at all. They, they need a complete change, I think. I mean, Alistair Cook, in his press conference, um, talked about how you know England want to kind of emulate what Clark has with Darren Lehman. They were talking about all the positive things that Lehman's done since coming in. And he was sort of trying to suggest that Moores was going to be England's Lehman, but they're very, very different types of coaches. It's, it's not that kind of move at all here. Which means that I was just left feeling very deflated by those press conferences. As we were saying before about other candidates, you know, it's remarkable how quickly Ashley Giles played himself out of contention against that backdrop. I think kind of Morse does look like a looks like a great kind of great pick. Well, it, it says it, that Giles, it looks like the only pick. Yeah, it? it would have been a real gamble to go to someone like Newell or Robinson. Bayless might have been a good appointment, but there's a suspicion that that would have just been because well, he's not English, so he must be good. So I do sympathise with the ECB to the extent that Moores might be the best qualified of these candidates, but I still think they should have gone to someone else just because England needs something else at the moment. They need a change of direction. They don't need to go back to how things were in 2007 because that wasn't a good time. It's funny, when you talk about candidates, I just think of The Apprentice. <laughs> I think that would have been great if they had an Apprentice-style 12-week contest to see who would become the England coach. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable entertainment. I don't, would it reduce it to fast? I don't know, slightly. <laughs> but it would be hugely entertaining. I mean, I'd watch it. I'm trying to think of, you know, what kind of tasks they would have. There's no room for smelling what's selling. No, it's true. It'd be like, go to the IPL, and you, like, here's your IPL budget, and <laughs> get, like, put a team together, and you see like the guys come back with like Brad Hogg. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose that is all about what, smelling what's selling. Yeah. So they come back and say, well, what was selling was... What was aging Australians <laughs> so I've come back with a team full of them uh, I love the idea of yeah the you know getting towards the final weeks and just 
Mick Newell and Peter Moore just <laughs> sweating in the boardroom. Wheeling in what, their suitcase every what, week. One of them's going to be fired. And Sugar's going, you're a bloody disgrace. <laughs> you're bloody... Absolute bloody, bloody disgrace. You're bloody useless. <laughs> I kind of want to go on The Apprentice, but I just don't want to be on TV. I'd love to do it just with friends. That's the thing. Yeah. If I could do it but not be on TV, I think that would be quite fun. It's so funny. I'd be so bad, though. I've got no business sense whatsoever. <laughs> I just turn on you in the boardroom immediately. <laughs> <laughs> just you immediately. You double cross me. I just walk in, just as you walk in, just pointing at you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone has always done to me in my life. Yeah. Just point at me when Is something's that... going wrong. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> You would double-cross me in no time. Well, you double-cross me as well. Though. We'd probably double-cross you. Yeah, I've double-crossed you in the game Risk before. Yeah, I'm not, I, I've not forgiven you I for that I honestly either. think that is the most angry I've ever seen you <laughs> in my entire life. I can't remember the exact details, but yeah, we, we had an alliance. <laughs> but I also had an alliance with another guy. And then the moment came when it was right, I'm, I, you know, I need to uh, have the red wedding moment. I need to turn on, on Tony. And I, you know, I, I marched my armies into your territory. And you lost it you were so angry because i did you know I, I wiped you off the map then you just went and sat in the other room for about an hour and a half and i came in and was like tony you're right and you just sat in there drinking a beer shaking your head didn't talk oh, to me for about a week it. couldn't believe the betrayal <laughs> shocking well anyway back to peter moore's uh as you may be able to tell i'm i'm a, I'm a little bit uninspired by his appointment and there's just a suspicion for me that the ECB are primarily keen on him because his face fits. You know, he's he, he seems like the kind of guy who won't rock the boat. I mean, they know he's the kind of guy who won't rock the boat. An unkind way of putting that would be a yes man. Is this all about kind of centralising power at the ECB? Is it all about making Giles Clark and Paul Downton even more powerful? You know, people like Strauss and Flower, they're very much their own men. You get the sense that Cook can be controlled. Maybe Moores can be controlled as well. Now, is that what's happening or is that unfair? Is that, well, you know, is that come, some kind of weird, weird plot that I've Yeah, I, I, th I think that's what you've done there. You've kind of, you've, you've gone on a bit of a journey and I've not really come with you on it. I don't know, I, I, a lot of people seem very distrusting of the ECB and the, the kind of the board of selectors and all this nonsense. But I don't really get why, for what purpose would they want power at the expense of results? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I don't actually... What would, their, what would be their motive? No, I that? understand that. I understand that. Yeah, obviously, I think the better England do on the field... Yeah, the better uh, for them. The better it is for them, the more money they make, ultimately. But just their actions over the last few months would suggest that they're, you know, they're more interested in creating a team that you know, is all singing from the same hymn sheet, as Cook says, which is supposed to be a positive thing, but makes them sound quite robotic. Uh, they're more interested in that than they are in anything else so well, i take your point that yeah they they don't want power at the expense of results but i think they do want power they're coming off the back millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option i never really was a salad guy that's just not who i am but noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Like of a golden age of English cricket, you know, full, full houses at test matches all the time, a winning team. But there's a lot of eggs in not that many baskets in the sense that, you know, they're strung along... Well, coax the counties into building massive grounds and expanding and all this stuff not to use a cliche but they've then kicked out the bar clearer in the team so I don't know I, I, I don't know Would, do they want a team of insipid bland underperformers well I don't think they want a team of underperformers but you know I think they they don't want people who are going to rock the boat is the the phrase that I keep returning to I think they you know they they like being in charge and they don't like people who um, rebel against that and yeah I think you know they, they feel they've, they've obviously got um, Alistair Cook under some kind of imperious curse and um, that's a Harry Potter reference anyway I don't, I just, <laughs> he just looked at me just looked at you, I was like yeah cool yeah. and uh, you know maybe they've put the same thing on Peter Moores as well I mean that yeah as I say that might be um, overstating it a little bit or quite a lot um, but there's possibly an element of that going on here I'm quite frustrated with the ECB in general these press conferences infuriated me. I mean, Paul Downton elaborated a little bit on why they got rid of Peterson, why they made that decision. Uh, he said something along the lines of, I've never seen a player so disengaged as Peterson was during the Sydney test, which I thought was, to begin with, a little bit over the top, given that that was more or less the first test that Downton had watched in a professional <laughs> capacity. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thoroughly cheesed off, Tony. Excuse my French, but I'm serious. I'm downright hacked off with the tone that the ECB are taking when they talk about Peterson, they seem to be taking the view that the fans just need to get over it. There's a sense of like, well, why are people still going on about this? I mean, how did they not realise what a big deal it would be? And they got rid of England's best player and they got rid of him permanently and they didn't explain why. Do they have any right to be surprised that people won't let it drop? Well, of course not. It's still a bit insane, isn't it? Uh, and you would say now, I mean, you know, maybe... Maybe history will repeat itself and Moores will have a couple of years in charge, bring in some, some new players, then I'll get sacked, then I'll bring another coach, Peterson will come back and Bob's your uncle, they've got another Ashes winning team. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's looking quite far into the future, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it is weird the way that history has been repeating itself so far and that you know, Moores has been appointed in the immediate aftermath of a 5 nil Ashes whitewash. If it continues repeating itself, that's just quite depressing because the next few years for English cricket weren't great. But yeah, I've just been furious this week, Tone, to be honest. It's ruined your holiday, hasn't it? Um, you know, it did kind of ruin my holiday. Uh, you know, Downton said there's no smoking gun, that's what he said. There's no one thing that caused them to get rid of him. But if that's the case, then why did you get rid of him, Paul? It's a cliche that people have been talking about a lot, but it is true. You know, Australia didn't sack Shane Warne ever. You know, even now, Michael Clark and Shane Watson don't get on. They could easily sack Shane Watson, but they don't. They manage those players. So unless there's something much worse than that, I'm not sure they've got justification for doing what they did. And if there is something worse than that, they need to tell us what it is. But if they're saying that there isn't, it's just that Peterson, you know, wasn't like a, you know, was disconnected, wasn't really a team player, then that's just not good enough. It's yeah, exactly. Managing better, you know, nurture is whatever, do whatever. Do the job. Do what you have that's to do. That's a job. There's another dimension to this Peter Moore story, tone, which is that Paul Farbrace has been appointed as his assistant. Uh, he's left his job as coach of the Sri Lanka team to take up uh, this position back in his home country. You've got a feel for Sri Lanka there, haven't you? I mean, not only have they lost the man who just took them to the World T20 title, they've lost him to 
another country who they're just about to play as number two as well not even not even a full head coach yeah no absolutely i think in some ways that's what leaves uh, the most sour taste in the mouth if england had gone out and they said we want Farbrace to be our coach our head coach and they'd appointed him i mean sri lanka would have obviously been upset but i think most people would have said okay that's not necessarily fair enough but that's more understandable than being like right we're going to go out and we're going to pinch sri lanka's coach and we're going to make him you know the assistant are you like me a little bit uncomfortable about what england have done there you're uncomfortable i'm uncomfortable about it or is this just market forces at work no i don't, I don't think you can be uncomfortable about it uh what you mean it's it's bullying it's kind of i don't know if i use the word bullying but not it's bullying but it, it's 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 a, a you know a bigger country pickpocketing yeah, one of the smaller using countries. Their financial clout to um, undermine another country by taking their coach, and as you say, not even making him their coach. I mean, do England really need Paul Farbrace in this role? Probably not. So, what's <laughs> yeah? It's an interesting change of in direction, isn't it? It's an interesting new position that they've created. You know, for whatever reason they feel it's necessary, they haven't got too much of a problem with it. Uh, clearly, there's a limited pool of. Of, well, there's a little pool of coaches in international cricket, and they've stolen two. Well, they've got two, <laughs> so it seems does seem a little bit greedy in that sense. But they've actually got three because they've still got Andy Flower working for the DCP <laughs> right, as right, well. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is just something that's going to happen because of, as I say, because of economic forces. The pay is just uncompetitive in Sri Lanka. Farbrace will be earning much more as England's assistant coach than he was in the top job in Sri Lanka. So you could say, oh, well, if Sri Lanka want to keep him, then they need to up their offer, but they can't. And the reason that I'm, uncom- that I'm uncomfortable about it is because England, as one of the, the financial heavyweights, as one of the big three, you know, the, the big three essentially justified their ICC takeover by saying, oh, don't worry, we'll have the interests of all the smaller countries in mind as well. But clearly they don't. I mean, they don't care, which is what we suspected and which is you know, obviously true. It just leaves a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth, I think. On the plus side for Sri Lanka, though, David Moyes is free now, so <laughs> maybe they could get him in. In summary, then, Tone, I'm 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 disappointed bullet with points, the Moyes bullet appointment. I'll give you a couple of bullet points. One, disappointed. <laughs> Two, with the Moyes appointment. Um, yeah, it, it it does feel like a backward step to me. But you know, I'm more than ready to be proved wrong, as always. You know, I'm I'm always happy to be proved wrong. So, so. Well, I mean, you should be from your experience. You know. I bloody love it. <laughs> more England. I've got a new item for you, Tone. It's called More England, uh, where we talk more about England because there's been another big story in the world of England this week, which is what's been going on with Jonathan Trott. Uh, I'll read you this article from BBC Sport. Jonathan Trott, England batsman to take another break from cricket. England batsman Jonathan Trott is to take a break from cricket after a recurrence of the anxiety issues that forced him to leave the Ashes series. Trotts, 32, left England's Australia tour in November because of a long-standing stress-related condition. He played a county game for Warwickshire this week but said, quote, To my disappointment, I felt the same anxieties that occurred in Australia. It's not fair to continue when I am unable to function at 100%. Trot, who recently spoke of his intention to resume his international career, has played 49 tests for England. There has been confusion about the exact nature of the illness since the player himself said in interviews in March that he was burnt out and emotionally and mentally spent. However, that led to some media criticism, with former England skipper Michael Vaughan saying he felt conned by the England-Wales Cricket Board's explanation for Trott's departure from Australia. So it kind of goes on like that, but essentially, yeah, he's taking another break, Tony. It's been, it's been a prolonged saga 
this over the winter, hasn't it? I mean, it is only about a month since he gave that in-depth interview to Sky where he's, you know, he said he was ready to come back. He was excited to come back. Now he's decided to take another break. It's upsetting news, this, isn't it? It's, uh, it's a shame. Well, yeah, well, it is a shame. And it also, it does complicate... Well, as I say, it complicates the situation, but it, it's, it's, you know, it makes it even more kind of baffling in a way, doesn't it, really? Yeah, like you say, not long ago, he was having a good time chatting about cricket and looked, sounded keen. And you can't, you know, it's a very different situation that he started the county season in. You know, he's not on tour. Different group of people, different pressures, different expectations, different attention levels. Uh, and yeah, it's bizarre. It seems strange that he would, he would still not fancy it. Well, you say it complicates it. In in one sense, for me, it makes things a little less complicated because clearly there is something going on. Clearly, it is. Um, it's not just that he was, in his words, burnt out and just needed a break. There's something more than that. And where it might be caused by cricket. It could well be caused by cricket. It might be nothing outside of cricket. But whatever it is, it's not just that he was overworked and needed a few months off, which is kind of what he was saying in the interview. We didn't talk about this at the time, but I did feel at that point that it was a mistake to give that interview because he'd not actually played any cricket yet. We saw this exact same thing happen in 2006 with Marcus Jaskothic. He gave a very similar interview to Sky where I think he even used the words burnt out. And he said, you know, oh, it was, you know, it's been a bit of a misunderstanding about my condition and, it, you know, it's not as bad as people think and I'm ready to come back. And he did come back for England. Uh, but later that year, that you know, had a recurrence and never played for England again and has now spoken uh, candidly about, you know, what was really going on. And that interview with Trot did just seem to me a little bit like it was a case of him trying to convince himself that he was ready to come back for England. But clearly that was well, it's now proven to have been uh, premature to say that. So, yeah, I just think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big shame. In a way, there's not much more to say about it than that. But it's upsetting because he does seem like a very nice guy and he's given England's supporters an awful lot of pleasure over the last few years. But he's going through a tough time at the moment and you hope that he's got the ECB and others that are, you know, are giving him the right kind of support. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, but I, th- I think it does slightly complicate it, though, because it, well, yeah, maybe complication, complicate wasn't the right word, but it's strange that he take up that offer then to do the to the or you know, we don't know how it came about but you know is it bad on sky for exploiting him in that way and, and making such a big deal out of it was he poorly advised by the ecb did he jump in well i think it was on, his on management his company i'm not sure it was the ecb uh yeah strange well like I, you say I, like you say there must be something deeper because you know what, what did he he played what two county games or even one county game i don't know yeah two two county games yeah yeah, so it hasn't taken very long for this to come back and it's not even happened, as you say, in the England environment with that kind of pressure. So there's something going on. And, you know, you know, as mentioned in that article, Michael Vaughan and others in the media were very critical of Trot after that Sky Sports interview, basically accusing him of a con job. Um, what did you make of that at the time? And, you know, do you think, do you think they were uh, wrong to say that? Presumably it hasn't helped Trot. Yeah, I mean, it's slightly strange because Vaughan has clearly got experience of this with Triscothic, played the same team as him, was captain, was Triscothic's captain at the time. Uh, so you'd think of any anybody, really, Vaughan would have the utmost kind of empathy and, and understanding. But he was clearly criticising the ECB and all this. I, don't, I mean, I don't know what they well, could have said. Well, he was criticising really. Trot as well. I mean, I yeah. think that, in a way, I think that was almost the problem for Vaughan, was that 
he was very understanding of just gothic he thought trot was going through the same thing and then when trot said he wasn't that, that it wasn't exactly like that that vaughn felt conned because he'd well, Vaughan had been extremely critical of Trot, the batsman, and then when he went home, he sort of felt a bit embarrassed, I think, and and you know expressed a huge amount of sympathy and thought, oh, this is the same as the Triscothic situation. And then when Trot said that it wasn't, you know, that that made Vaughan angry. But that to me was a, a spectacular failure of understanding because because you know I, there is this kind of uh, tendency for all people to want to keep things simple, to put everything into boxes. So you know, either Trot's depressed or he's burnt out. As though somehow there's no uh, link. there's no link between those things, and you know it is much more complicated than that. Whether or not he's suffering from clinical depression, there was something going on that meant that Trot couldn't play cricket for England. He didn't feel he was capable of playing cricket for England, and you know I'm I'm surprised that Vaughan and others weren't more understanding, were so quick to uh, criticise him when he said what he said. Presumably, Trot won't play for England again at this point even if he does come back and play county cricket, I don't really see how England can select him now. No, no. And it, well, I mean, given what's happened, why would he want to come back and play cricket this year? I don't know. It would seem, it seems difficult. So, yeah, I think, I think not. Which is a shame. It's definitely a shame because, you know, he's played 49 tests. I figured he had, you know, at least another 49 ahead of him. You know, he's been such a colossus for England over the last few years that particularly with the team as it is now, you know, they could really do with Jonathan Trott there. But in the same way that, you know, there are a lot of what-ifs about, oh, what if England had had Triscothic for longer? Ultimately, it's more important that, you know, Triscothic uh, was in the place that he wanted to be, and the same is true for Trot. But on the plus side, uh, there is a vacancy at number three now, so you could be in with a shout tone if you uh, if you knuckle down in the next Yeah, um, I, th- I see my long-term future at number four, really. Uh, <laughs> You're going to so move Bell or so. Yeah, I think, yeah. David uh, Moyes is free. He could come in at first drop for England. Much like Wills and Kate's visit to Australia and New Zealand, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been literally the most important thing to have ever happened in the history of the world, which explains why it's received so much attention in the media. Uh, but nonetheless, it's probably about time to bring it to an end. I mean, watching, certainly watching the early stages of that, I say watching, certainly being forced to acknowledge the early stages of that royal tour uh, of Australia and New Zealand. It did seem, to begin with, like it was a promotional tour for cricket, uh, you know, they played cricket in New Zealand and they were like manhandling the Cricket World Cup trophy <laughs> in Australia. I was like, what next? Which is good because, you know, it ties in with our show really nicely. Um, and actually, I, I don't know if you want me to say this, but from now on, we're going to be called the World Cricket and Royals show. That's Very starting good. from next week. Cool. Looking forward to it. <laughs> the front page of the Daily Mail the other day, Tone, I was coming back through the airport. Front page of the Daily Mail. A hug from daddy calms teething George. There was a picture. There were two pictures: one of George crying, one of him being cuddled by Prince William, and that was front page news. There's not much around at the moment. I really don't know where to start with that tone. I was just looking at the stack of Daily Mails, and I was just apoplectically angry <laughs> in W. H. Smith in Gatwick, as you know, smashing up the Pringles aisle. I was so angry. It is a disgrace. What you got lined up for this weekend then, Tone? Surely even you have got to chill out a bit now. Well, I'm looking out, I'm looking forward to a bit of relax. Now going to that London this weekend. Longe. Oh, that'll be mental as well. Be mental. Your life is basically just one long freshers week, Tone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm just going to London, you know, taking some cultural cultural landmarks. You are a culture vulture. Five guys, Bodines. <laughs> basically just going to be, I don't know, just drinking and eating. Weekend, it sounds like quite a good deal right now. Really cultural. 
I mean, food is the highest form of culture, isn't it? Food and podcasts. <laughs> I think. I don't know how to tell you this time, but uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be playing too much cricket this season. Listeners may be disappointed to hear this over the last couple of years. We've been regaling them with tales of our uh, inexpert exploits on the cricket field for our team, Kobo Legends. Uh, but I'm going to be struggling to play too much this season. You barely played at all last year, actually. No, I didn't play a huge amount. I will. I might dip in and out this season, but yeah. It's quite, cricket's quite a big commitment. It is. It is. I mean, this is a big enough commitment. <laughs> well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. If you play cricket one night a week, podcast, if you play podcast one night a week, you know, we, we've got a seven-a-side football team now. That's another night. When when do you find time to then do... it's the weekend and it's just like... When do you find time to do other when things? When do you find time to live? Yeah. But cricket is a big commitment because... Like, the game starts at 6, I finish work at 5.30, I have to walk home and then drive. So I'm tearing across the island. <laughs> Inevitably get there five minutes late and get a rollicking from the captain. Well, our, our coach, our captain slash coach, is one of the most <laughs> like, persistent men yeah. I've met. Uh, I mean, the emails started to go out a couple of months ago. <laughs> I feel really bad because I've not replied to any of them. <laughs> And he's like, I'm looking for responses from these people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, names the definitely people. Definitely names them. And then you get an email like five days later that just says, it's the same email, but at the top it's just centred and in red and italics and possibly underlined as well. Just said, silence is deafening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from experience, I know how annoying it is organising people for anything. Yeah. Organising people for, a sport, for sports teams where you need a specific number of people is... Very annoying when they don't reply. It must be extremely annoying. I do have a lot of sympathy for him, <laughs> but he's so relentless. And like I, I need to, have, I need to speak to him. I, I got got the email, you know, a couple of weeks ago, or whatever. And I emailed him back and said, I said, I'm hoping to play uh, sometimes this season, but I'm not sure I can really you know, commit to much. I've got a lot of stuff going on, so don't be relying on me, is what I'm saying. And also, I definitely can't play any of the first five games. He didn't reply to that, <laughs> and then I got a text from him at 11:15 last night that just said. Adam, we really need you on Tuesday. <laughs> it's like, I've already told you that I can't play this. Didn't have a chance to reply to the text this morning. And he came and found me at work. <laughs> he came into my work and found me. What did he say? Adam, we really need you on Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, why are you not harassing Tony about this? So I, I, in the end, I told him I couldn't play. And he was like, what about Tony Kirk? Can he play this season? I said, yeah, he's super keen. He's really keen <sighs> to play. He hasn't got he's absolutely number. so free as well. He's got nothing <laughs> yeah. on his schedule. So anytime you need him, he's free. Well, anyway, yeah, it's sad that I won't be playing much cricket, you know, because I was really starting to uh, starting to get into it last season. Top wicket taker. I mean, you were uh, starting to become a real kind of core. You're a core member of that team. Talisman is the word that I use to describe myself. Uh, so hopefully I'll play a bit. But uh, but yeah, just can't commit, unfortunately. I saw that te- I, the text from him. Because he, yeah, he sent about 11.15. As you know, I was long asleep at that point. Uh, but I saw it because I woke up at like <laughs> 2. I had this text. I was like, oh, no. And then I don't know whether this was related, but I didn't get back to sleep till 5. <laughs> Just tossing and turning. Yeah. You knew you, the net was closing in. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, just, you couldn't escape from Looked outside longer. my window. So a, a car parked <laughs> yeah, over the just street. waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Tailed me to work. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, anyway, that is it for this week. Uh, we haven't talked about the IPL tone. There's IPL going on. Have you seen any of it this year? Well, as I explained before, I got my excuses in early. 
before. I've been so busy the last <laughs> two weeks. Literally ridiculous. Just boozing. Well, boozing takes up a lot of time, doesn't it? Just, yeah. I, to it be is. honest, Tony, I don't blame you because I've not even watched a single ball this year. But would you believe it? Kings Eleven Punjab, my team, are actually doing really well. The first season for ages that I've not watched any of it and they're absolutely killing it. They are, they are killing it, aren't they? They're well top. Well, the thing is, what's, what's bloody happened is that Glenn Maxwell has happened, hasn't he? Quite ridiculous. 95, 89, 95. Or 43, 45, 43. That's right. Scary. I can see you're getting into the IPL just looking at that, Tone. So mate, you're licking your lips in a slightly disgusting really so. way. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about the IPL next week, Tony. Yeah, let's do it. And also, I've given you a bit of homework already. I want you to pick your England team for the first test of the summer. Oh, and, well. I'll, and I'll pick mine and we'll compare. So uh, that's exciting. That's something for listeners to look forward to. But until then, if you like the show and you'd like to get more involved in it, uh, go onto the internet and find us there. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash cricket show. You can follow us on Twitter. The show account is at cricket show. I was going to say at Twitter. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Twitter. Follow Tony at Tony Cover, T O N Y C V. Double R, and you can follow me at Adam Bayfield one two. I haven't tweeted since before I went to Denmark, so I need to get on with well, that. I mean, I didn't realize you'd gone to Denmark. You didn't, you didn't <laughs> tweet I didn't, about I didn't it. Didn't tweet about it. Yeah, I did put some photos on Facebook though, Tony. So yeah, you did. Probably saw. Tried those. to avoid those. All those. <laughs> Have, <laughs> at least I know that you've seen them. You, you haven't hidden me from your uh, yeah yeah your newsfeed. Uh, well, send us an email, at gmail dot com, and if you've got a spare couple of minutes this week we really appreciate all the itunes reviews that we get because that does help us to attract new listeners and stuff but that's it i think thanks for coming down tonight tone appreciate it stay in school everybody uh, and we will see you next time bye bye for now cheery i guess I can smell your fear. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.